0: Who are some of the best female characters in movies, literature, and video games? And how do these characters correct our sometimes wrong understanding of what makes a woman? We discuss this and more with special guest Joy Clarkson on this episode of The Overthinkers. Well, ladies, gentlemen, hobos, tramps, cross-eyed mosquitoes, and bow-legged ants, welcome to The Overthinkers. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, out-of-practice swing dancer. With me, as always, is my crystal-cool co-host...
1: Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and I'm really running out of like random skills.
2: (laughs) Maker of quarantine chili.
1: Maker of quarantine stew. Believe it or not, I'm pretty sure I actually already used that one. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll use it again. Maker of
0: quarantine stew. Okay. Well, and as you have already may have uh, summarized, we have a special guest on our podcast. She is an author, writer, speaker, host of the podcast Speaking With Joy, and she's finishing her doctorate. She is also rumored to have the same parents as my co-host. It's true. No (laughs) one was supposed to know this. The rumors are true. (laughs) She is the jovial, the jazzy, the judicious, the jubilant Joy Clarkson. Joy, welcome to the podcast.
2: It is lovely to be on the podcast. Also, I am in great awe of your alliteration.
1: <laughs> it's a Thank thing you. we do
0: right here. I may <laughs> have Googled all the J adjectives before the <laughs> broadcast.
1: Thinking <laughs> that uh, your name didn't start with a Z, because that gets kind of
2: tough. As a as a PhD candidate, I I take great respect at your in um your research. So <laughs> is-
1: yes. Second to
0: none. Second to none. Anything else that people should know about you?
2: Hmm, I don't know. I think you just about covered it. You can always find me um, recommending the books and music and stuff that I love. So I feel very at home uh, on this podcast with you all. And I've written a book. Nathan told me to say this. Yes, she has a
1: girl's club, which is perfectly in line with what we're talking about today. It's very good. It's about women friendships and the strength of, and she also is an incredibly pithy and funny um,
2: Twitter aficionado. Twitter
1: aficionado. I didn't make that mm. phrase
2: up for myself. Nathan gave And it she has
1: several, <laughs> not one, not two, but several, probably 10 or 15 viral tweets that I'm sure you've seen <laughs> out there. So please go see her. Actually, ad. it's true. I did
0: see your tweets before I even knew you. And so oh my like, gosh. That that's so pretty funny. cool. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, you yeah. all can find me at Join Us the Brave. I'm, I feel like I'm less on Twitter this summer because I just... We were all, all so online for all of the quarantine yep. that I feel like or, I've been trying to be in the real world. But, which means
1: that she's been saving up her pith. Yeah, At exactly, some no point, exactly. I'm just going to
2: shut down the internet with, with a huge critical mass of hysterical
1: tweets. <laughs> exactly. Oh I look forward to
0: it. So, <laughs> in any case, we have a subject to talk about here. I'm very excited to talk about it with you. Uh, in recent years, there's been a renewed interest in discussing the representation of women in mainstream literature and entertainment. And in an earlier episode of The Overthinkers, Nathan and I discussed that men are often told in books and movies that they can either be uh, James Bond or Frozen's Kristoff, that they can either be toxic or sometimes perceived as weak. However, women often have found themselves also feeling limited by the roles given to them by culture and the arts. My dad often talked to me about the struggle of finding good role models and entertainment uh, to show my sister as she and I were growing up. So today, we thought we'd focus on some of our favorite female characters and protagonists in literature and and the arts, Joy you read an unholy amount of literature, (laughs) by which I mean you read more than me, and I don't like that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's true.
0: (laughs) Uh, Believe me, it's true. uh, (laughs) Have you often felt unsatisfied maybe with the options for female protagonists or role models in books and movies? And also, what are some of your favorite uh, female characters and why do they resonate with you?
2: Absolutely, well, I think I'll answer this in a roundabout way. I was, you know, you just mentioned Girls Club and actually part of the inspiration for us writing Girls Club was because I noticed how often or, or rather how infrequently women's friendships are portrayed very well mm. in mm. TV and in movies because there's always kind of this depiction of women as as competitive and catty or, you know, all these different mm. things. And it's not to say that those things can't exist in womanhood, but that they're exaggerated and kind of one dimensional. Sure. Um, and so there's been this kind of resurgence of, of focusing on uh strong female characters right we hear that phrase right, a lot yeah. but i actually also have a quibble with how that's often predicted mm. like kind of made because mm. for me i would rather have characters uh female characters who are presented as humans right uh, than as some kind of archetype that we want them to live into right and so yeah. oftentimes what you see is uh if we'll see lots of weak female characters that's 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 that they're kind of presented as somehow less than human, not possessing an intellect, not being, not having desires and things that they really pursue in the plot, kind of fitting into a male character's arc. So that's one way of not having a good female character is to have them kind of be less than human by not depicting their intellect, their emotion, their wills, and their choices. But there's also this other tendency kind of as a reaction to some of those weaker characters. I often think of them like in Dickens. I love Dickens, but a Mm, lot of the female characters in Dickens. Are just kind of accessories
1: to the right. male characters yep and that happens in TV a lot too with yeah. what was it called Joseph the Bechtel test is that it Bechtel yeah. test yes yes
2: yes where you where you never see women talking about anything other than the men in their life right. right yeah but so as a reaction to that, you have this emphasis on strong female leads, but a lot of times that ends up with these characters who are just not human they right. are they wear high heels and low tops while crushing um, people they' never <laughs> they never feel insecure in relationships. And while, of course, on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, i love to see a strong woman. On the other hand, I'm like, this is just another way of not treating women like humans. Mm. Um, because in, in the one sense with, you know, with weaker characters, you're treating them as less than human. But with these kind of unrealistic, you know, strong female characters, you're actually treating them as more than human. Mm. And what I would rather see in stories are really complex, deep characters who uh, they may stay on the bold side and be more like a Joe March who goes around telling all her opinions, uh, but, they, <laughs> but they still have, they have complexities. They have things they're insecure about because that's really the goal that we should be looking for in female characters. Mm-hmm. It's not just that they're strong, but that we're seeing them for the full breadth of their humanity, for all the complications of the things that they want. And yeah. sometimes that even means having really strong villainness female
1: characters because that's
2: another way of acknowledging the white witch. Yeah. It's, it's acknowledging that women are complex people. Um, and, and that's really been much more inspiring for me when I think about my own personal growth. I don't grow from idealized, romanticized women. I grow from identifying with female characters that wrestle with their own insecurities and want Mm. to grow and want to acquire. So So fully
1: human female
2: characters. Yes. We should
0: do a whole podcast episode on villains actually. Oh, that'll happen. That'll
2: yeah. happen. I think that's really interesting. So that's my, that's my soapbox. Uh, but I can tell you, I could tell you a few of my favorite, uh, please do. Characters.
1: All okay. right. Let's okay. Everyone. We're going to, we all have a few female characters, which I'm super excited for. And, um, we are super excited to share each one. Uh, each one of us has a lot of them that have inspired us, but it's really cool to talk to a woman, uh, and get your experience about what, female characters have connected to you and, like you were saying, reflected that fully human female experience in, in media, uh, books, literature, TV, etc. So, Joy, without further ado, your first female character.
2: Okay, my first female character. So I'm going to choose um, a, one, a character that I love perhaps best of all of the characters written by a woman who is a master of complex human female characters, which is Jane Austen.
1: Hmm, is, yeah.
2: Classic. Yeah, classic. I love Jane Austen because she really is so insightful to, the, to, to humans and their, their passions and their desires. And I think when we think of strong female characters, maybe one of the first ones you would think of would be Lizzie, right? And right. Joseph, we talked about that before we yeah. started. <laughs> and I love Lizzie. I aspire to be Lizzie. But yeah. the character I want to talk about is Marianne.
1: Mm. Dashwood
2: from Sense and Sensibility. Marianne gets kind of a bad rap. <laughs> She's the younger sister. Uh, out of Sense and Sensibility, she is the sensibility. So she is this passionate, emotional, indignant character who yeah. wonders why everyone else doesn't respond to <laughs> all of the, you know, the beauty of nature as much as she does. Right. And she is so driven by that emotion that she makes several decisions that really end up hurting her. But the reason that I love Marianne is because... Uh, you would, people kind of sometimes imagine the story as though the point of it is that Marianne just learns that she doesn't need to be so emotional. She needs to calm <laughs> down. Yeah. But really, the arc of the story isn't that. It's her learning that your emotions can be tyrants or they can be servants and, mm. and companions. And it's her learning not to quash her emotions, right. but to to live with them wisely and to manage them, to kind of, you know, in the platonic image, to have her be the, the writer who can actually direct the horses of her emotions. Right. So, you know, they, they may drive her, but she's in charge in some sense.
1: She kind of she owns herself and she owns her her nature and who she is and she can she learns that she can use it for good yeah. and bad. That, I love that. And so it's a That's fully great, fleshed yeah. out human character.
2: Yeah. And she's very complex and and I think I always related to that because I can be very emotional and passionate. And it was so beautiful to see someone who I could go, look, her story turns out well. Uh, not because yeah. she becomes less that way but because she lives into it and learns to develop the virtues that she needs to yeah. kind of manage herself.
1: I do feel like there's kind of a move towards and many female characters to make them very often like the worst aspects of of men mm-hmm. yeah. and they yeah. become harsh and angry and dare I say it, toxic. And so you're saying here's a character who has emotions and deep yeah. feelings. And instead of getting rid of those to become more like um, a counterpart, she says, I'm going to embrace them and own them and utilize like them for good.
2: Integrating them into her character right. in a way that's yes. helpful. And the other thing I love is that Jane Austen actually identified more with Marianne than she did with Eleanor. Oh,
1: that's amazing. And, that's and,
2: and also Eleanor actually needs Marianne's emotion. Like yes. she is so rational that she can't profess love at the time that she needs right. to. And so they're kind of like this. I lo- I just love that, that they're both these complex people who counterbalance each other, and show what it looks like not to just like suppress the emotional side of ourselves, but learn to live well with it.
1: I love that. Yeah. And off of that, I will give my first female character, um, which is someone who has found themselves on some of the hardest times one could find themselves on, uh, and, and that's very and that's found in the, <laughs> the title of the book in the movie. Um, I see you're going. But, with- Nice segue. <laughs> yeah, you all know, uh, but, and who goes, and who in this terrible um, circumstance she finds herself in, she rises to it. She mm-hmm. finds a strength, she finds direction, she takes control, but also throughout every book, she remains tender, hopeful and loving. Mm. And the book is called uh The Series of Unfortunate Events and the character is Violet Baudelaire, mm. who I read when I was uh just a, a new teenager, I was probably 13 or 14 when I read these, and I immediately had a crush on Violet because oh she has all the aspects of what I think a great woman character, great female character has. And it it is a strength, it is an inner understanding of who she is, but it's also a tenderness, it's also a hope. It's also um she carries herself with uh, both pride and gentleness. And I think everything about her is uh, uh, really, like you were saying, Joy, is a fully fleshed out human character. She does have her faults, she does have her doubts, but it's someone, and they are displayed very well by the writer Lemony Snicket um, over and over again. So you, you do connect her on a human level, but you also see a, a, something to move towards, mm-hmm. I would say for young women, yeah, as right. she tries to use utilize her mind, her heart, and her soul to attack every problem, no matter how bad their circumstances are. And she becomes really a bedrock for the entire family and the characters around her who can look to her as she grabs her hair and ties it up in the bow before she's an inventor.
2: I was gonna say, of course, the fun thing about, the fun thing about Violet is that she's an inventor. And I just say, I think of that almost every time. I'm incapable of writing. Or like thinking without putting my hair back.
1: So always, <laughs> That's a girl thing. So
2: I always think of Violet as I put That's my hair back until I braid it. That's great. She
1: was definitely <laughs> my first literary crush. So I love Violet. Yo. Yeah, we'll, Joseph. We're talking about
0: literary crushes. I will definitely give a shout out of uh, uh, Eliza Bennett uh, and, uh, of course. and Emma Woodhouse uh, for the Jane Austen, having uh, literary <laughs> crushes on Jane Austen characters. Cause my, my family was super into Jane Austen. And I did like, all, love how Jane Austen was really great at doing characters who were strong and intelligent, but also capable of self-deception and you know having mm-hmm. flaws and because they were normal humans. And that's so she, she really is one of the masters of, of, of that. Um, really creating wonderful humans as well as uh, female characters. But since we, you know, you already did the Jane Austen thing, I'm going to go another route and say um, uh, C.S. Lewis creation, uh, Lucy Pevensey. Um, Mm. I really, you know, she was a character that my, again, my, you know, I was talking about my dad was looking for good female role models for my sister and he was really happy to, to find her. And one of the things that always thought was wonderful about Lucy as a character was that, especially older as I got to appreciate it, is that um, people, they, female characters often are, are torn between, like, they either have to be sort of, like, you know, um, defined by a man, defined by, you know, a love interest or a father or mm-hmm. something like that, or they have to be obsessed with pursuing their own dreams, and their, their self-actualization is about their own dreams, whereas with you have with Lucy, she is in this position of she's, you know, defined by her relationship with the God character, you know, in the mm. in the story, mm. and so her self actual She's not dependent or defined by her relationship with her older brothers or or the male character who she's as a romance with. But she's also not a character whose self actualization comes from being self centered or pursuing her dreams. It's by pursuing her relationship with God and serving Him and mm. His goals and His interests. And I think that that's incredibly rare for male or female characters. And is uh, really important uh, to help people develop as human beings to understand that that is the higher option is to be following mm-hmm. a, a transcendence uh, purpose
1: rather than a selfish or a human dependent one. Mm-hmm. And you see such a great arc with her too, what is in the void of the Dawn Treader. Um, I can't remember which island they're at, but I remember. I still remember from the BBC movies and the mm-hmm. books, right. um, her going in and you see that she's not, again, she's a fully fleshed out character. She's not mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. She doesn't have this intrinsic angelic um uh uh, personality rather this is a character who um who who wrestles with moral choices she has
2: jealousies she has she wishes she was as pretty as susan
1: that's what it is she looks in the book and she wishes she was as pretty as susan yeah and and at that point i i think i remember that she comes in contact with aslan and Mm -hmm. he and he has a you know to talk with her (laughs) and i just think it's a beautiful scene and it shows this whole um three-dimensional picture of lucy and by the way i just realized this joy you are the lucy because you have two older brothers yep. and an older sister and you're the youngest girl. <laughs> I so do. you are totally Lucy, Lucy Also, Covency. I
2: always identify with Lucy's kind of like having experienced the thing and then needing to like shout or cry to get the attention of <laughs> the older siblings.
1: We're, we're the younger kids, <laughs> so we, you know, we are always yep. have to to uh, cry for our or, attention.
2: Or make a hysterical joke, one of the yeah.
1: three. <laughs> <laughs> we are the funniest. One of the two, one of the two. Also...
2: Lucy in the books when they're all knighted and they all become kings and queens she's Lucy the valiant which Mm. I always liked and I'm just now realizing as I'm sitting here I think that might have been why all of my usernames are join us the brave
1: that's funny I think it was after Lucy Lucy Wow yeah I
2: think I self-identified with Lucy and so I did that.
1: That's a great character, mm-hmm. Joseph. I think that's one of the classics. So probably everyone so listening correct. right now will agree in nod their heads. So yes. definitely <laughs> pandering, but pandering, but it's good, nonetheless. Yeah. So I well feel done. validated. All right. You should <laughs> enjoy. enjoy. Next.
2: Okay, so this is a kind of obscure one, but is one that I could go on and on about because I so love her. And that is Betsy Trotwood from mm. David Copperfield. Ooh. Ooh.
1: So Dickin.
2: she is she's immortalized in my mind as um, Oh uh oh my gosh what's her name from she plays professor McGonagall in harry potter Oh
1: oh um let's <laughs> so uh, Maggie
2: Maggie Smith Maggie Smith <laughs> So uh she she does a great job playing this character in the movie version but Betsy Trotwood is she so talk about characters with weaknesses her defining weakness or her defining trait is that she is distrustful of all men mm-hmm. And so she goes she's going to be the godmother of this baby uh, that she assumes is going to be a girl, which will be named after her, <laughs> Crotwood, And then she finds out it's David Copperfield, and she's like, I don't want a boy. What is this about? And then she goes away. <laughs> but later on, she um, she ends up adopting David and kind of reconciling, because he has this really difficult life. And the thing I love about Betsy, first of all, she's hysterical. Like in the book, she's just this ridiculous We character. need
1: more funny women, by the yes. way. That is she's... such a, a valuable thing in culture.
2: Oh, and she's so funny. But the thing that I love most about her is that she is a defender of the defenseless. So mm-hmm. she cares about people that um, that society doesn't care about, and that's kind of a theme of David Copperfield in general. It's about a whole yeah. bunch of people who don't really contribute to society, like they're all kind of drains. Uh, but they're all people, they're human, who are human, who deserve love and protection. And Betsy Trotwood is one of the most fearsome. That's what I love about her. She doesn't. She is. She is a fearsome, uh, fiery. Steamy, angry defender of people <laughs> uh, who society casts aside. So when she sees how David's being abused by his stepfather, she she goes to battle for him, and she she basically uh, adopts him and doesn't give the guy any any way out. And she protects him fiercely. But she also has this um, slightly men- mentally handicapped man who was tried to put into an institution by his family, and mm. she adopts him. And not only does she adopt him, but she says he is wiser than most people that you'll see on the street. Like, mm. uh, and she goes to him for all of his decisions. So she's this person that sees the inherent value in people that society doesn't value. And she defends them with all of the ire and sarcasm and mis- misanthropy that she has in her. So, and also, she also has this really ridiculous thing that throughout the books, uh, she has a lawn and her, like, aside from defending the defenseless, her, like, purpose in life is to keep donkeys from being. <laughs> <the lawn. laughs> and, and one of the best scenes is when the steps uh, the step, aunt i guess of david copperfield comes with the stepdad they're just these really horrible people and she she beats them off of the lawn because she's riding a donkey
1: and she's (laughs) like not
2: on my lawn so i just love her because she's so weird but she's a defender of the defenseless
1: i love that she's a defender of the defenseless, and also i love that you said she's funny and i think there's a terrible um trope that still goes around that Mm -hmm. women aren't funny Women are hysterical, and I love seeing great, funny women characters who cap- capture the, the irony of life and go through with a little bit of a, of a smile and a grin on the face, which reminds me of a character It wasn't even on my list, uh-huh. but remind me of the name. Um, much Ado About Nothing, Shakespeare. Oh, Beatrice. Beatrice. What a great, oh, she's funny, so good. witty character. I, I need more of those. So we, oh, yeah. What's, remind me of the name of the character in The Dickens? Betsy Trotwood. Betsy Trotwood, okay. You
2: know what I think the similarity is in both of these, and I think it actually relates to humor, is both of them use humor as a way of coping with the difficulties they've encountered Mm. in life. So they're a little sarcastic and funny and because they kind of look at their lives and find a way to look at it and make it funny. And I feel like that goes with knowing that women are human and that they like experience life as difficult and they have to have sarcasm to cope with it. So yeah.
1: And I feel like maybe even sarcasm is something that a lot of women and female characters weren't even allowed to have.
2: Yeah, because if you don't think a woman really suffers or, or has all these complex feelings, then you don't realize that she will use humor to understand. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's just a weird theory. I just came up with that now.
1: That's Okay. So we'll, oh, we'll test we'll, it we'll, and we'll, we'll let we'll you know if we actually <laughs> defend it later. Uh, okay. So my, my next female character is, uh, man. there's, there's a lot to choose from, but one I really, really connected with um, is, is interesting when her name is Max Caulfield and she's mm. from a game, a video game. And yep. the video game is called Life is Strange. Yep. And what I love about this is, I'm a 30 year old, a 31 year old, very large, burly, bearded man, <laughs> and I sat playing a game for days about a high school teenager, and in high school, um, names ma- ma- named Max Caulfield and I could not have been more connected and more touched by her journey. And so that, that goes to show you the power of art and how it actually really can connect to entirely different kinds of people and experiences because we're sharing this human experience. Um, but I love Max. I love Max because throughout the entire story, it, it's a murder mystery, and, but it, it's filled with different characters and, um, and drama and angst and everything, again, who comes away much like Violet, like I said earlier, she she doesn't let the world embitter her. She doesn't mm. let the world harden her. Instead, with every dark thing that comes her way, she becomes more hopeful, more kind, and chooses always, always makes the choice to become the person who loves, the one person who stays mm-hmm. faithful, the one person who forgives in the midst of all the darkness that happens throughout this story. So I highly recommend um, that you play this game. And funnily enough, I, I'm a gamer. And I love games, I'm a game evangelist because they have, they're have. they such a beautiful new art form. Yes, yes. And, but I think a lot of people are a little trepidatious to play games because of the controls and they've never done it. But for my birthday, yeah. I actually, Do I said, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, I don't want anything, my only birthday present I want you to give me is I want you to play Life is Strange. So <laughs> joy to play Life is Strange. This is someone who's never picked up a game control in her life and she made it through the entire game and, I did,
2: and made a terrible decision, apparently.
0: I won't say any more about that.
1: It's a decision-based game, so there's lots of uh, controversial decisions we <laughs> can talk about later, um, but Joy made it through and loved it, and so uh, Max Caulfield is one of my favorite uh, female characters that I, that I uh, interacted with of late, so.
2: I agree. I really enjoyed, I enjoyed her arc, and I enjoyed how uh, how much she cares about other people. That's kind of the central thing. Yeah. Is that she never stops caring about people, no matter how many cynical things happen around her. But
1: she's not soft. Or no, weak. no. She cares about them with strength. Yeah. With a gentle strength. Yeah. That's how I'd say it. No, yeah, totally. All right, Joseph, Number number two. 30, all right 30. number two
0: <laughs> i am going to go for an old classic an old favorite we talk a lot on this show about superman sometimes maybe yes. too much um but it's not because you can't ever talk about superman too much but he's the ultimate man <laughs>
2: <laughs> he is but- literally the Superman. <laughs>
0: exactly yes but i will say that uh in coping with that um i would have met my second uh one be lois lane and i've always been a huge fan of Lois Lane, the character, since I was a kid, since I started being interested in Superman, because she's, you know, you talk about very complex people. She's really interesting because she has this very, almost religious sort of dedication to the truth and Mm -hmm. a belief that, you know, a a philosophical belief that evil can be defeated if it's simply exposed. and Mm -hmm. Interesting. Which is interesting because, you know, they they had, you know, villain Lex Luthor is this character who is, is, very evil but he is always able to figure out a way to keep from being his evil from being exposed. Hmm. The thing that the I think is but the other thing I think is really interesting about Lois Lane is she is the the ultimate sort of archetype of the 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 strong independent cynical New York woman but she also you know she's almost like you know the feminist archetype but she is also capable of having a good loving respectful relationship with Superman, with you know her, we the person who becomes her husband eventually in the comics, and there's oftentimes this difficulty in you know in the in these storylines where it, it has to be one or the other. You know, there's like some somebody, mm-hmm. somebody has to be on top. You know, the in the uh, the Alice in Wonderland phrase. You know, the only question is who is to be master. That's all. Mm. Um, and Superman, Lois's relationship always to me was inspiring growing up because it showed a a, a world where two people could complement each other, their strengths and weaknesses could complement each other in a marriage, and it was mutually respectful and uh, without uh, without you know, and the female could be a strong character without being domineering of the male character in the story. And so they really paint a very beautiful picture of that in the ways that their strengths balance each other out, in the way that they love and respect each other um, and complement each other. And I, I think that there's there's oftentimes not as many pictures of that in whether it's, you know, certainly what the movies that I've watched and the, or the books that I've read that that is not as often uh, portrayed. And I think we need strong visions in our society of how that can work, what that can look like if we want to actually have relationships like that in the future going forward. I think
1: it's a, you know, it's something that I see often is that we think that strength is a limited commodity. And mm-hmm. so right. within a relationship, so someone has to have the majority of the strength and I remember, I still remember my youth pastor saying, you know, there's there's this line that goes around culture that you complete me. So basically everyone's a 50% of a person until they <laughs> find the a person who completes yeah. them. And he said, no, we're looking for people who are hundred percent mm. themselves to find other people who are hundred percent themselves so they can create two whole people. And I think that's really hard to do for some reason in this culture that we keep on seeing these Characters who feel like oh we have to give one of them the strength and and we have to take away the other one's strength be it the man or the woman or the woman or the man.
2: Well, I think we spend a lot of time talking about power and power yeah. dynamics, and it's not that that's wrong. There is power in the world, but I think we need to be able to gain a conception of it not being a zero sum game. Yes, that you can have two powerful and gentle people, and yeah. that that actually is this kind of beautiful dance, um and that it's more beautiful when they're both fully who they can be.
1: Yeah, and I kind of have to give the writers of Superman some credit because who you have the ultimate man like yeah. you're saying yes. and he can he can literally pick up the world <laughs> and defeat anyone. <laughs> yeah. he is the ultimate strong and still they were able to create a strong fully fleshed out female character
2: who's not just an accessory to him
1: to place what? beside him yeah with not just in his story but he just okay. her and vice versa, her story and vice versa can um, i say
2: a really uh a nerdy thing yes this so, you know bible
1: I <laughs> really hate nerdy. That's so here, out of place here.
2: <laughs> this is called the overthinker. So, yes. uh, you know, in um, in the Bible, when it says that, you know, he, pa- he placed Eve next to him as a helper suitable for him. And we always, I think sometimes that's been interpreted as like, oh, she's a little helper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that word is used of God, actually. That the mm-hmm. word helper is used of God wow. most throughout the Old Testament as the person who comes alongside Israel and battles with him. Wow. And I think that's kind of the picture of Lois Lane that she's his yeah. helper in the sense that she is the person who comes alongside him as the strength and the power that makes him able to fight. That him.
1: reminds me. And bet you didn't think you were gonna get some biblical exegesis here in this podcast. And here we, well, we have a doctorate, a theological <laughs> <Yeah>. doctorate, <laughs> almost <laughs> on our podcast, so you're yeah. gonna have to. Fingers
2: crossed, knock on wood. But back <laughs>
1: to the nerd stuff, this does remind me, and I don't wanna give anything away, but if you haven't seen it, it's your fault, of the most recent Avengers, in which you have all of the female characters drop down uh-huh. uh, and come into frame and are ready to take on the forces of evil alongside the men Avengers. And it's just this beautiful moment in which they are fighting side by side. it's very, very inspiring. Many tears in the entire thing, but everyone (laughs) loved it. And I love that there were some great heroes for girls to look up there and see fighting the evil as well.
2: As women and not feeling like they had to somehow be become like the male characters they can be their own thing
0: which I will say that is is an interesting problem because I mean there is I don't know if you've heard about the whole in the film the the spat between James Cameron and Patty Jenkins that happened back when the Wonder Woman movie came out because he didn't like the Wonder Woman movie because he was like that's not what a strong female character looks like she's too glamorous she's too you know pretty Mm. and Patty Mm -hmm. Jenkins was just like there there can be more than one
2: contraire
0: yeah (laughs) he's
1: he's assuming there's one kind of strong female character yeah but I love
2: woman because she like you know she's literally an amazon but right. then when she's <laughs> yeah. walking through the street she's oh baby <laughs>
1: exactly. and it's
2: like why can't why not both yeah know? a fully exactly.
1: fleshed out these things are not mutually exclusive yeah. fully fleshed out character well, and
2: why would we not think that sometimes women's strength comes from the fact that exactly we have this kind of internal ma- maternal instinct to protect Precisely. and love and yeah mama bear mama bear yeah okay
1: and so uh hey, right, don't right. have time but we need to get back to at least your la- your third I have joy at yes.
2: least more than which speaking of mama bears um, one of my favorite characters, and this has come up recently for me again, is Mrs. Murray from A Wrinkle in Time, mm. uh, which I'm actually doing a book club on right now. So this is why it's probably kind of on the brain.
1: So go Paul, to yes. um, Speaking with Joy podcast and join the book club because it is yes. super fun. It's <laughs> fun.
2: And I'm I'm doing kind of like this. I'm having different guests on every week. Hopefully you'll be on eventually. Absolutely. Um, so Mrs. Murray is the matriarch of the Murray family. And when it opens, when the book opens, she... She has four children and she's by herself because her husband has mysteriously disappeared. Hmm. But she and her husband are both uh, scientists, so they're physicists. And I, again, I love that kind of picture of them being together, working Alongside.
1: together.
2: Uh, but the thing that really strikes me about Mrs. Murray is the way that she's able to accept, this is kind of similar to um, to Betsy Traubin, but she's able to accept and make room for really different, odd, non-conforming hmm. people. Hmm. And so she's got this daughter, Meg Murray, who I love also as a character. But she but She just feels... Weird and out of place, and she feels like she's dumb and she's ugly, and and her mom's like, no, I, I love you as you are. You're blooming at a different speed. You're great. She just kind of makes room for her, but she also makes room for Charles Wallace, this like very intelligent yeah. but strange, you know, five year old, and then she makes room for Mrs. Whatsit. These all very whatever. And the thing that um I, I put out with a discussion post about this, and I was like, why is Mrs. Murray able to do this? And I love that several people pointed out it's because she's a scientist. Mm-hmm. She reg- the point of a scientist is that they regard the world as a mystery that evokes curiosity in them, that they want mm. to explore the world, that they regard things as they are, not with fear, but kind of with this desire to be a student of whatever they encounter.
1: Curiosity, natural and so, and yeah. curiosity about life.
2: And so she does that with her science, you know, and she's this brilliant physicist and biologist, but she also does that with the people in her life, that, mm. that unsurety, that um, not kind of mystery is comfortable to her that she I like that mystery
1: is comfortable to her yeah she doesn't
2: try to control it she tries to understand it and I love that Mrs. Murray I love that she's a mother and a scientist and I want to approach people the way that Mrs. Murray does which is with a kind of scientific empathy
1: that's beautiful and to dissect I love that yes
2: yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) and I'm trying to think you know we have just a couple I won't jump into um, these as quite as deeply as we have the others, but just a couple honorable mentions that do deserve to be shout out and probably talked about on other podcasts. I love Hermione. Yes. I think she is amazing. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, she's just a classic, great female character. She learns, she fights, she's feisty, oh she's gosh. independent, but she's Voldemort loving. would
2: not be uh, subdued were it not for Hermione. Absolutely.
1: So the, the prince of darkness in this story yeah. is subdued by a little feisty
2: intelligent bookwormish nerdy girl
1: i love it so and i'm sure that she would deliterate crush for many of you out there um she wasn't for me because joy was always hermione in our home (laughs) 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 yeah well it's called joy hermione and then another um on on the curiosity in the world and wanting to uh make bring order out of chaos and and uh looking at mystery i love miss marple uh, from agatha christie oh gosh i just love good detective uh, stories and so this is amazing. A little yeah. old woman who fights evil as she's a little old woman. And that's brings my order retirement to the universe. plan. Yeah. That's not like when I'm old
2: and I've done, you know, that's what I want to be in a mold. I'll just go to seaside villages, wear cool hats, and, uh, and solve and mysteries.
1: Solve mysteries, yes. solve murders. <laughs> Joseph, any uh, any honorable <laughs> mentions we should mention before I'll, we sign off? I'll,
0: yes, I'll do a, a, a short quick. I will give a shout out, another in my comic book realm, I'll give a shout out to Elastigirl because that's <laughs> of the mom and the homemaker who is a superhero but not only that it's a great metaphor for what actually the struggles of you know motherhood are like as i have observed uh from my own mom because she as her powers are stretching and she's constantly pulling interesting how metaphorical Mm. exactly and so that you actually get to see her through her powers being pulled in all those different directions and that pathos and struggle being used through a science fiction superhero lens i think is really wonderful and and she's fighting to have her family together and prioritizing that. She's not uh, fighting to get away from her family. I think that that's really beautiful that they do that. I will also say for my super obscure one, there is an old black and white movie called, religious thriller called Night of the Hunter. And there's a wonderful woman in there. Her name is Bertie Steptoe. And she's the matriarch of this orphanage who has to protect some kids from this really creepy, wicked, Um, a fake priest who's after them. And there's a really frightening scene where she's sitting in her rocking chair with her shotgun (laughs) while singing, you know, leaning on the arms while he's outside singing the same song approaching the house. And it's, I've I, never heard of this movie. This sounds, is why I'm friends with people sound, like you, so I can know about cool movies I'll never it, hear. Also, it otherwise.
2: sounds supremely creepy.
0: It is so <laughs> scary. It is free on Amazon Prime right now. Maybe still when this podcast is out. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> oh, and um, so anyway, joy, joy! You get the sort of final word on your on
1: your uh, female characters.
2: Okay, well, I have to say one that I haven't said, but is dear to my heart and green gables. Of course,
1: I oh, love her. Yeah. That's She's, the perfect one to end on. Yes,
2: she there's something about her that literally everyone I know thinks they are an in. <laughs> uh, but there's some she she sees the beauty in life. She's deeply emotional. She's got a fiery t- temper. Um, but she also loves her family and and works hard and is intelligent. And I love that you
1: said she sees the beauty in life. That is sums her up for me.
2: Yeah, that's that's what she is. She's a sponge. She soaks in all the beauty and all the pain wow. of life, and then, and uh, and gives that gift to other people. Mm. Yeah. So that's
0: wonderful, awesome. Well, that's fantastic. Um, let's. Well, anyway, we've 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 got a lot there, and we still haven't even scratched the surface. So if we, you know, so we'll we'll love to have you back on to talk uh, more about more female characters or any other subject that you'd like to talk about. Certainly. <laughs> A joy, because this is this has certainly been a blast. Now,
2: well, it's been a delight. It's been so fun to chat with you guys.
0: Good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you're, too <laughs> you're too kind. You're so right, but you're too kind. Um, <laughs> um. So we have our regular segment that we do in uh, our show called uh, "Blessings and Curses," where we take a piece of art. Uh, that we have and say whether we think it's great and they recommend it through a blessing or uh, say you should stay away from it through a curse. And so is there are there any uh, pieces of literature or art that you have been uh, exposed to this week or uh, recently or that you would just like to shout out and say, read, watch this, don't read, watch this?
2: Oh, I have a great female-centric book I hated.
1: <laughs> Ooh, that's perfect. Okay, so you, you have your curse. Now, do you have, do you have one for a blessing? It could be I do have anything. a
2: blessing. Okay, okay. so... I've been I don't really do this for some reason, but I've been reading lots of novels that were very clearly written about and for women. and <laughs> So I kind of like went through a whole list of them during quarantine. Yeah. And one of them that I had a whole bunch of people say they loved was a seal woman's gift, which mm-hmm. is about it's a it's a true story, actually, about all these people in um, Iceland who were captured and sold into slavery in Algiers. So it's wow. kind of the opposite story of what we usually we usually think of the West going and capturing people right. and then selling them. But it's the opposite. Um, But I think it was meant to be a complex female character, but <laughs> without revealing too much, I was like, well, this just ended up romanticizing Stockholm syndrome and acting as though a woman's devotion to her romantic or sexual desire should trump her her loyalty to her children and
1: her family and her homeland. Interesting. That's kind of like what I um, mentioned just a little while ago with a new show called Run. That's very interesting that oh, it, yeah. was, it was still going on. Uh, back then that's so interesting.
2: Yeah, and so a lot of people liked it but I just I found it to be really unsatisfying
1: Interesting. Um,
2: but then the other one and this is still has to do with great female characters I just read the novel Giver of Stars and it was so fun. I bless it with all of my heart Ooh. It is about uh, it's about the pack horse librarians. So in the 1930s mm. during the depression there was um, huge amounts of illiteracy in Kentucky so they I think it was something I'm going to get the statistic wrong. It was either there was an illiteracy rate of 25% or there was a literacy like so either 75% of people couldn't read, which seems large. So it must have been the
1: other way around. It might have been.
2: Anyway, so the way that they saw this was they created these libraries where women would ride horses into the rural parts of Kentucky, like in the mountains, and hmm. teach people how to read and give them. That's so Library cool. books. And so it's a story about that, but it's really at the core of it. And this goes back to Girl Felt, a story about women's friendships and about the mm. way that we can come mm-hmm. alongside each other in difficulties, especially when we have like a mission that we're working towards together. So I bless Giver of Stars. I curse, maybe that's strong, but <laughs> <laughs> I kind of curse the old woman's gift. Um, and we there we go. We like hyperbole yeah. here. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So my, my blessed increase of the week, I'm going to pander a little bit, but I'm thinking uh-huh. about two, um films or pieces of art or books that uh feature are very famous for their their female characters uh and i'm gonna bless one and curse the other my bless is i'm so sorry this is so unoriginal but it's wonder woman i absolutely love (laughs) the new iteration of wonder woman i thought it was fun it was feminine it was strong it was was interesting it was just a beautiful depiction and i cannot wait for the sequel whenever that might be (laughs) um so that's my blessing 30
0: times but
1: yeah yeah Yeah, so one of these days, I'm excited to see the next one because I love Wonder Woman, the movie uh, and the character because I used to read the comics too. Such a strong character. Yeah. And my curse is what I think is a modern depiction of a woman that I really just think is so destructive. Um, and I saw the movie. I, I did not take time to read the book, um, but it's Eat, Pray, Love. And oh. uh, I just think, yeah. but the, it, <laughs> it blows my mind how popular this is. Sure. And it blows my mind how, how accepted this is and so um for me it it you know we we've known for a long time that men can be toxic and um have terrible attributes to them that that's never been a surprise to anyone but it seems like now we are just not only um per, you know, permitting uh some some really toxic behavior from women but instead celebrating and this book it just, it, it celebrates the uh, talk to behavior that, that has really deep ramifications for people around her, but it doesn't matter because she gets to do what she wants to do. Well, and I just have to say, that is my curse. Keep, pray, love. If I you like s- this, I'm so sorry.
2: No, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I watched it on an airplane and I I was like, I probably shouldn't be like vocally going, oh, yeah, <laughs> so because she just, she gets bored with her husband. That's literally the only thing that happens.
1: And, and, that- and then
2: she does like, um, what do they call it when you, you do, vacation um what's the word when you're like charity charity tourism
1: charity tourism yes Uh.
2: anyway yeah so that
1: is that's the i that is my curse joseph those are good decisions so i am
0: going to uh do a curse and a blessing because they have a lot of they have similar themes there's also female characters Um, but also has another theme going on between them. And maybe I've already done this curse, and if so, I apologize, but it fits too well. Um, I'm going to curse the movie that came out this year, uh, Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Oh, interesting. And it's not because it's a movie about abortion, because that's what a lot of people are going to like it or hate it simply because of that. Hmm. My bigger problem with it was the fact that it, Deeply wanted you to empathize with the main character, the protagonist, the the, the young woman who is going through her problems. But in order to do that, they caricatured everyone else around her in order to make it seem like, oh, she's you know she can't have anything wrong with her. Everybody else is just horrible.
1: And so they had to basically make an unrealistic character for you to sympathize. Precisely.
0: Sympathize. And and I think it's really harmful when we treat empathy as something that is.
1: Um, it, it's
0: a mutual exclusive like in order to mm. empathize with one person and they, of course lots of movies do that they do that with Joker they kind of did that with Parasite where it's like you know in order to get you to sympathize or empathize with a certain person or group of people they make other people seem caricatured or nasty um on the other hand, and that's I think, something
1: very human. We do that in so many areas oh, in it, our way. Yeah. I mean, I do it personally. If, if I want my way, I try to make whoever's against my exactly. way look terrible.
0: <laughs> no, exactly. And that's and that's something that's very natural to do, but it's something we need to fight against as a society. We know that this movie is going to get all the Oscar buzz in the fall. And so I'm just preemptively saying, no, it shouldn't. Um, but the other one I will ex- give an example of something that's really great is the, a movie called The Edge of Seventeen, which is a young uh, coming-of-age story about a young woman. Oh, I've heard of this. Who's in it? It's so good. I think it, I like it even better than Lady Bird in Eighth Grade as a oh, young I love Lady Bird in Eighth Grade. grade. I should have put most, those in my it's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. This is my sneaky way of bringing all these different ones in. Uh, the thing is, that, what's amazing about it is that it's about a young woman who you do deeply empathize with. But as she, as her empathy expands to more and more people, because she's sort of obsessed with her own problems at the beginning, but as her empathy expands to more and more people. Your imagination and empathy expands along with it. And I think that that's a really beautiful depiction of how that is supposed to work in, in real life and are, are mm-hmm. the expanding of that empathy to identify with more people in that. And way. who are
1: the actors in it? I've heard, I've, you've mentioned
0: Amy, this. Maybe uh, uh I'm sorry, I'm butchering her name. Um, but uh, then there's Woody Harrelson and a oh. kind of whole bunch of they're, they're, it's a hilarious it's so funny the movie is so funny and so raw and so good it's, again it's like i would compare it to lady bird in eighth grade but i even like it even more than those movies wow okay great cool so definitely recommend that that's my bless of the week well thank you again so much for being on the podcast joy it's a really and
1: good pleasure. quick note uh, Joy, because she is a strong independent woman, literally had to run out the door <laughs> to, <laughs> to a meeting, so she is now gone. She's oh, our wow. first guest who has literally walked out, but not for anything that we've said. Um, but it was so much fun having my sister on. And, so and, then you're going to have to plug
0: her podcast for the very end and her stuff. Yes,
1: I will plug. So the place you can find Joy, she's all over the internet. She writes hilarious tweets to thousands of people at Join Us the Brave on Twitter. You can find her on Instagram and Facebook just by searching her name. She has written a beautiful book about women and friendships and how powerful they are called Girls Club, Um, and she's getting her doctorate right now. So you can encourage her um, uh, in your prayers and thoughts uh, at St. Andrew's University uh, in the UK. And she has a Patreon that has really, really cool stuff Mm -hmm. and blogs and secret podcasts and secret events um, that if you join, I think you'd really enjoy it. Uh, And so those are all the places you can find joy. So please send her your messages and hit her up because she is really, really fun to talk to uh, and listen to.
0: Oh, thank you. That's so very nice of you to say, Nathan.
1: <laughs> Joy! <laughs> <Hi. laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's awesome. All right, and where can people contact you if they want to talk to you or want to follow what, you got, what you're doing?
1: You can contact me on the socials. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I need to get better at Twitter someday, but probably not gonna happen. Uh, so just search my name and find me there. You can also visit my website at Nathan Clarkson dot me or search my name on amazon or imdb to watch my movies and read my books joseph exactly. where can we find you Ah, uh, you can find me on all the socials as well i'm on
0: twitter as normal guy eight which means there's seven other normal guys as you pointed out <laughs> i am on uh, facebook joseph holmes i am on my you can find me on my website and all the stuff that i do all the movies i make and stuff i write on the And of course, if you want to talk to us and explain to us how we we're wrong or what other female characters are your favorites, you can uh, contact us our email at uh, the over, the real overthinkers.com. And also don't we have like a new website, the uh, the overthinkers journal where you can dot
1: com. Dot com. Yes. overthinkers journal. So we're getting that set up and hopefully by the time this um this podcast is out we will have that already. It has um, has all the great stuff our blogs our uh, our thoughts, our guests, uh, some little stuff about us, info, and uh, we're gonna be do- putting, you know, movie reviews on there yeah. and having good discussions. And also someday in the future, we plan to have really fun live events. So please check the events page and you can find out all about us there. And it's at the overthinkersjournal.com. Fantastic.
0: Thank you so much everyone for joining. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about.